At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. kick this off here. Uh, I am JC. My name is JC. And uh, for this episode, this is number 200. And uh, we're going to flip the table a little bit and I'm going to interview Alan Aldridge tonight. And uh, so uh, we're going to settle in here and uh, run down the timeline a little bit. Uh, this way, squeegee it back from the other side, see what we can see have some more porch talk, and uh, see what it's all about. Yeah, man. Right. And I'm, I appreciate you taking me up on being the, the host for this episode. Absolutely. And I uh, had such a good time with you last time you was on. I'm glad to have you back on, man. Thanks. Likewise, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let's kick this thing off. Uh, I thought uh, I, I was doing a little math in my head and uh, just making some rough approximations about how many episodes you do every week. And mm -hmm. Uh, how many or how long it takes to to uh, drop out there for or excuse me 100 episodes and uh, I don't know exactly how long that that is or, or, or how long it's been since uh, episode 101 but um, let's just say if a rough estimate is at least the last year something like that yeah about the last year well then so uh, in a kind of a year in review not necessarily 2020 but you know last year or so uh, of episodes uh, from from looking back right here right now over the last year what would you say is the essence or what has been the essence of porch talk what goals have you hit what have you done in the last year that you were wanting to do man there's a I have a vision board um, like And I keep it pinned right above the computer where I do the work, and it's just something so I can visibly see what I want for the show and other aspects of uh, my life. And for Porch Talk, um, I wanted to establish Porch Talk as being um, a platform for artists to come on and share, and like the people who are engaged with the show, it's a place for artist discovery, for music discovery, and you know, just to, you know, we'll have Big John on and we'll talk a little bit about conspiracy. I mean, we'll go anywhere, you know, or 
uh, me and Monk do an untapping vinyl with uh, beer and vinyl reviews. So um, it's just keeping those regulars and those inside shows of the show going, which uh, we've done the best we could with this year. But um, as far as vision, man, it's it's been really hard. Uh, I've, I've been really blessed and uh, hit them quick, a lot quicker than I s assume. Like when I spent the past two or three months in Birmingham every weekend, um, man, that was like riding on the cloud. Uh, that meant a lot. Because I've been obsessed with Birmingham and its music for a long time. And I mean, I wear a Cornelius Chapel hat and I got um, most of their work now. Um, and I, I love that record label and I love the artists that are you know, working with it and assigned to it. And so uh, that's that's meant a lot to me. And plus, Joe McGowan uh, at McGowan Studios, I mean, that's how we met. Uh, that place has been a cornerstone uh, for me. I, I really appreciate Joe uh, letting me come out and hang out. And I mean, when someone like you is out there, he'll shoot me a text and, hey, if you can come out here, you should. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got somebody interesting you need to meet. Yeah, he, he's got his, his magnetic uh, and, and sort of uh, um, ground zero kind of, uh, I don't know what to call it, collective Yeah. Uh, going on. He, he definitely got uh, things going on and, and keeps things stirred up. And uh, same here, you know, he, he I remember he told me that night, uh, there's going to be a few other very interesting cats out here this night. So uh, it's like, cool, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned Birmingham, and it made me think of uh, my friend Cliff Scott, his wife, Rebecca Barry Scott, and uh, they live, I think they live now in Tuscaloosa, but she has been writing for this Birmingham music magazine for, for a while. Uh, if you don't already know her, then you ought to know her. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, like, yeah for real. I was wondering, because uh, I've seen you know some of the locales where you have been recording from and uh, seen Birmingham a lot lately and uh, then uh, Georgia and uh, I just kind of wondered what's your range I mean is it just wide open or it is you go? Uh, I mean I've got a little base in Buffalo New York oh, cool. those are phone lines and um, the episode that dropped today uh, was with Robert Conley Fair uh, he's originally from Bolton Mississippi up in Canada right? but yeah it was a, a and we, uh, he reached out uh, through the website. He sent an email. Cool. Uh, inquired about the show. So that's far and wide. Yeah. Uh, coverage. What about uh, traveling? Of uh, man, the South is all I'll do right now. I actually have a friend who is a is a pilot, and she has uh, she owns her own small aircraft. And so when things return to normal, as I've already talked to her, it's like you got to get those flight hours in, and I got places I want to be. There you go. So uh, I want to make it to where we can uh, make a weekend or you there know you out of it. Yeah, cool. Really get out there. Very good. But just right now, the way things are, um, I would say West Virginia, uh, Kansas, uh, Texas. That would be right. the best I could do. Yeah, that's got to be fun though. Oh, dude, that's that's where the stories are, you know. Uh -huh. And uh, I write all the time. I do. Uh, I try to write songs and I write poems and journal entries daily and I got a, a fantasy kind of like a Lord of the Ring type thing I've been uh, working on for like three years and so it's just a little bit of inspiration for each of those things as they come. Right on. Yeah. Well, um, 
All right. Uh, so uh, I wanted to put that in perspective as far as what you've been doing in the last year. Put it in perspective of what what it is you set out to do, and and uh, how it compares. Whether it's right down the middle or uh, side paths or uh, you know constantly evolving kind of a thing. Constantly evolves when. Porch Talk first started, it, it started when I moved back here from Mobile and uh, my grandmother's health was failing and my dad had just had a stroke and I was just catching up with friends that I went to high school with or hung out with uh, back before I moved to Mobile and I had been gone right at six years. And we would always have a guitar or a keyboard on the porch and you know we were just catching up. and. After we had done that a few times, I was like, I think we got something. I think, I think this is a show. Yeah. And not only that, it's like, uh, I never thought it would get off the porch. Like, uh, being in Starkville recording with you now, or uh, off in Birmingham, or in, making a phone line in Canada. I mean, those, uh, they weren't even things that I had dreamed about. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll get in a minute to uh, Mobile. I want to cover that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it rings a bell what you mentioned about uh, this is not something you thought about or uh, dreamt up or, or, or anything. And uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, the other side of that coin too yeah. in, in a little while. But very cool. Uh, always discovering. Uh, let's see here. Uh, from the last year, uh, I wonder if you could talk about maybe a few, maybe more than a few, maybe less than a few, I don't know, standouts to you personally mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the collection of interviews. I don't know if this is going to be a possibility or whatever, but because I know that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> they are, man. No, I have a... Uh, and, and not necessarily pick the best. I ain't talking about that. You know, I'm just saying in this moment, you know, what, what looking back right now, what few hit you? The most different episode um, that we've done would be with C.T. Salazar. Uh, he's a poet in Columbus. And I remember. That was the first episode I ever did that didn't have music. Oh, cool. It was just spoken word, and it yeah. was his poetry. Yeah. Uh, that was a special episode to me. That meant a lot. Of like Peyton Trim and Joe McGowan uh, having those artists on. Uh, you, I mean, you were a very unique episode. And I mean, like as far as feedback, those like I guess people typically know like the music aspect, but when I get a guest like you on, it was like, dude, that was good, and I know JC, and you barely scratched the surface. <laughs> you you have got to have him on again. Oh, you know? And I was I agree, and I was like, I'm I'm not done talking to JC. All right. You know. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's those episodes, mm -hmm. and then with the regulars, like with Monk and Big John and uh, Cobb, of uh, Man, they were really, especially Cobb. Cobb's been with me from the very beginning. And so anytime I have him on, it's just, and he hasn't been on in a while, not since the Halloween episode. And uh, anytime that uh, I get to have just an old time friend like that that I practically grew up with, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, like jamming, huh? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is at that point. Right on. All right. Well, uh, cool. Uh, let's see. Um, this one is a little bit more abstract and um, uh, 
because, and here's why I ask this. When I, I think I may have mentioned this before, but whenever I do photos and, um, uh, you know, do a portrait session, which this is not like necessarily sitting in a chair type of portraits, but, um, you know, pictures of a person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that could, that could be a wide variety. And uh, if I get a bunch of them, then within this one session, I've got a bunch of angles on this person. And there's a bunch that are in-between type of moments. I call them in-between moments. It's really in-between their obvious knowledge of the camera, you know, and uh, just a passing moment. It might be boring, you know, ordinary or whatever, but still it's it says a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. And putting all of those together, like you might put a hundred episodes together uh, in, in terms of the human, you know, the collective human that you're interviewing. Uh, well, when I consider putting a bunch of portraits together of a person, then there's some, something new comes out of it. There's this new perspective. So I was wondering uh, if, if you see that uh, across maybe not even 100 interviews, 20 interviews, 10 interviews, 5 interviews, you could see what has uh, informed your perspective. What is what is this collection of interviews revealed to you about people? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, I don't really give a whole lot of pregame information, like as far as, like, if, if someone has a question, it's like, if they agree to come on, you know, uh, if you want me to send you a list of questions I have in mind, I will. But generally, I like to go in completely blind. Yeah. And because uh, I, I don't want it, to, I want it to be a casual conversation. And if I've never met you, that's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have an intercultural studies degree. Oh. And um, fairly useless. It, it was four min missions, but uh, I, I learned a lot about uh, hot cold uh, cultures and like here in the South, most of us are hot cultured. And so it's very easy uh, to talk and, and to be casual, but to get real information is tough because all we ever want to do is just scratch the surface. It's kind of like, hey, how you doing? I'm right. good, and you? Mm -hmm. Well, how are you really doing? Right, right, right. And so, like, the best example is, like, when I have uh, people returning, like, uh, Taylor Hollinsworth came back on. He's one of my favorite musicians, and... Uh, the first time I had him on, it was just a introduction uh, to Taylor. I asked him, you know, about growing up and how I got into music and uh, up to the day. And then the second time was, uh, it was just me and Taylor shooting the bull. Mm -hmm. You already know Taylor. I know Taylor. Mm -hmm. Now we get to talk about what we want to talk about. And so we're not just talking about you anymore. And so you get to see kind of a different side of Taylor. Um, and so those, and like, as I, as I get to go in more and we get to do more episodes, it's like these returning people coming back on is like, so uh, what are we going to talk about this time? So we've, we've scratched that surface of who you are. How do we go deeper than that? And right. I, I think a little bit more planning has to be done in that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been trying to think of that a whole lot better. Because uh, I, I don't know, a lot of times it, it kind of feels um, underprepared mm -hmm. uh, if it's a second time. Because uh, I, I feel like it's easy to get away with an introduction, but if you're having someone on again, to not repeat what you just did. Yeah. Yeah, to try and, uh, uh, well, 
uh, I don't know quite how to put it, uh, but you know when you're like when you're playing music with someone, and there's like predetermined. Everybody's got a predetermined expectation. It's the same way when you're photographing somebody. When I'm photographing somebody, uh, and it's everybody's a little different. So then you, once you boil off all these expectations, and then everybody's really talking. You know, mm -hmm. whether whether it's interview or or whatever. Then you get to the interesting stuff, uh, or some, the, the same experience listening to uh, bands that 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 do that with music. You mm -hmm. know, the Grateful Dead, I think, is a very handy example. There's lots of people who hate listening to the Grateful Dead because they can't stand waiting through all that. And I mean that in two senses of the of the term of the of the word, waiting through water, you know, and and waiting on the time it takes for mm -hmm. them to get down to the the really good stuff, you know, they're, yeah. they're wandering around, everybody's sort of uh, positioning or whatever, uh, getting done with whatever they're doing in their mind. I think one of the best examples is uh, there was a jam band that came to play at Birmingham, and uh, I've got this question that James Mullis gave me to ask, like all the musicians that have come on to, about banner, what's the worst or best banner you've ever heard? On stage? On or off, oh, okay. you know, <laughs> and so like uh, I think the band had, they were a jam band. I can't remember where they were from or the name of the band, but um, you know that's a ten fifteen minute song, and uh, I think the front man asked after that, um, yeah, hey, uh, how's everybody doing? Everybody? Yeah, and one guy's like, boo, <laughs> boo, and he's like. If you got something to say, won't you come up here and say it? And he did. Oh my! And he was like, "I just feel like you should stop dicking around. Like, why does it take fifteen minutes for you to do this? Uh -huh. Do it in four. Yeah. <laughs> just put it out. <laughs> like, geez, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, get to the point. Yeah. Well, you know, some people are like that. I've heard somebody say, "Don't bore us. Get to the chorus." That's that right. Kind of the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, personally, I don't really mind. Sometimes I, I. Get a little bored if you know if it's sometimes or whatever. But it depends on the mood, I think. You know? I think it really does, and I think that that's common for you know what we're talking about here. Yeah. Interviewing different people, you know, tonight is a little bit different from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Is a little bit different from you know everything's a little bit different. I was uh, at my mom's on Thanksgiving and uh, uh, took the opportunity to photograph her and my aunt, and my uncle. And uh, uh, there, there's the usual, uh, you know, what do you do, you know? I can give a standard set of instructions, you mm -hmm. know, and, uh, but I, I try not to. I try to give minimal instruction until I see that someone needs instruction. And what some people do and some people don't. And I thought it was, uh, it was the neatest thing, photographing my mom, because, uh, I mean, this is my mom. I mean, the oldest human connection that I have. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's, you know, she's she knows that I dig into stuff. You know, I get into the details and the nitty gritty, and uh, then it, before too long, I'm speaking a language that's not intelligible anymore, and it's no longer simple and fun and all that. Anyway. So she's posing, and they get all these pictures, 
where she's kind of posing, and then I'm kind of giving her a few little basic directions. And then, finally, we get to the good stuff. And, yeah. And that was when she was telling the story. You know, she had this, this fur coat thing yeah, that she had she'd gotten out. And the story was that she had gotten it to go on a cruise with my dad. And uh, she was just getting into the details. Then the mood hits, you know. Then uh, the personality takes over. That's right. Then it comes out. Then now we're looking at something cool, you know. And it shows on the pictures. So uh, that's really kind of, I guess, what I'm asking about is uh, uh, the, the the types of things that you've seen in the last hundred episodes. You know, the the when, when it's really jamming. Yeah. You know, I think about the BB Palmer episode. Is uh, man, that was, the first time I had him on, it was a failed episode, and uh, and like so. What what's a failed episode? Like, when I got home, I didn't have all the recording. Like something didn't, oh. something wasn't right. Oh, like okay. When I exported it out, only half of it exported for whatever reason. And uh, man, I was upset. Mm. I called BB and I said, uh, "They'd only have half the episode." And what sucked was like that first half was nothing but the warm up. The actual meat was on that second oh, part that's man. missing. No. And I was like, "This is not even usable." Yeah. I thought we gotta do it again, and then uh, of course, I mean, he's he's busy and the band's busy and the people that were on that episode, they've everybody's got their own thing, and I was, oh my God, are we ever? And then you know, one day about a month later, he texts me, he's like, "You free next week?" And I said, "I am now." And um, not only uh, did I know each of the three that were, and that's another thing is, I didn't like having group sessions. Because uh, it's hard to control a crowd, and especially if it's a band, because they'll get to telling inside jokes, mm. and I'm on the outside looking in, and so is everybody else listening. Right, right. And it's like so conducting that. This is this is like as far as like growing as an interviewer, is like how do you keep everybody engaged to where they don't go back and forth to where they're engaging me in the audience. Mm -hmm. And um, the second time with BB was I know him better. And I know how to talk to them, and we're gonna go even deeper than what we did before because I know how to I know how to engage them, mm -hmm. and so um, that do, that does a lot of help. And so like even I've gotten to a point now to where like let's say it was the first time that you were on, if I knew two or three people, we had two or three mutual friends, I would reach out to them, tell me a little something about JC, not too personal, but you know something that you would like to know a little bit more about. And those are the best leads, you know? Yeah. And I mean, th those are, I guess that's that's the biggest takeaway from this past 100 is like, I'm no longer flying by the seam of my pants anymore. It's like, there was background work in, was it a heavy journalistic approach to where I knew all the ins and outs? No. But I just went in there with a few detailed from loved ones. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, asking this. Yeah, he'll go, he'll go off on that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's super cool. Um, and uh, I think it says a lot about getting out there and trying. You know, especially, uh, and, and I think maybe this is getting to be a cliche, cliche, uh, uh, but especially really uh, living in the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. uh, 
there are certain things that are harder and but then as a result of that the opportunities you're, you're kind of forced to take them so then getting your feet wet uh, going in new directions then becomes a little easier because then you're not sitting back on your heels you know what I mean you, you're closer to the edge of your comfort zone in the first place and um, but I think it says a lot about that about getting out there with with passion fueling you mm -hmm. you know this is something that you're you're passionate about you're into it you do it for the love of it you know um, and, and I, I, I can think of a dozen examples of people doing that right now um, so you get in there you interview you you know maybe you don't know what direction it is mm -hmm. but you do it and you do it a lot and you get good at it and uh, you distill more and uh, yeah so then now you've got these cultural drops in, in uh, that's it in, in these interviews dude I've got like the greatest example of that is uh, Jaco uh, I went to Birmingham it was the second no yeah the second trip I ever made the Birmingham podcast I was doing four interviews in one day and no I did five and uh, in three different locations. <laughs> and uh, well, thankfully they were all in the same area for the most part. But uh, I had, I was just, I was filling up a day and uh, Jaco had been following the Porch Talk Instagram for some time. And like, I always liked his post. And I, I've listened to a couple of his tracks and he had just put out a new album. I didn't know a whole lot about him. I didn't even know his real name. <clears throat> And I just, I, I sent him a um, message on Instagram, and I said, uh, man, I'm going to be in Birmingham, and I've got some free time. I don't know if you're free, but I'd love to have you on. And I didn't do any more research. Went in there blind. Mm -hmm. And me and him just jived. And it was the first time, like, he had ever been on a podcast or been interviewed like that, period. And um, it was a very raw interview. And uh, it happens to be like one of my five. Like, I like going back and listening to that one sometimes because, like, dude, like, neither one of us had any idea, mm -hmm. you know. And it just Spontaneous. worked. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> yeah, that's super cool. I keep thinking about uh, all these interesting, interestingly close parallels between interviewing someone and photographing someone. And uh, uh, sometimes it works like that. Sometimes it's just magic mm -hmm. and uh, um, other times well you know there there is something else I was wanting to talk about that was uh, the general topic of ego uh, I think just as a interesting I think it's an interesting feature uh, you know when you when you put somebody in the spotlight everybody's got an ego that's right know, but but sometimes the ego you, you know is considered a dirty word uh, because someone has you know a big ego or something like that everybody's got an ego you know, you Those people are really the easiest, though. Yeah. Like, when you have uh, someone who uh, is very humble and modest, um, it's really hard to get them going. Uh -huh. But if you got, like, a super ego trip, dude, you just ask one question, an hour later, you're done. Off, yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> off to the races. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But. Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, I, I totally agree. You know, that you get somebody in front of the camera who's just a natural uh, beam, you know, and uh, it's super easy. Uh, now, 
uh, I, I think maybe uh, maybe the the big ego or the the dirty word ego folks are I think those are really kind of few and far between uh, whereas you have to deal with them after the fact you know nothing's right and fix this and fix that and all that I'll be honest with you like uh, since doing the show man I mean we're this is 200 right here is uh, a vast majority I've, I've I've not come across many big egos there you go you know yeah and I don't know if it's just like a southern thing or you know it's just the, the people that um, I prompt or ask to be on the show or what that is you know um, but I, I haven't had like too many of those who were just you know, that uh -huh. bad ego beating right. the chest and all that. Yeah, gorilla. <laughs> right. Well, well, there, that's an interesting thing about uh, people, you know, people in general. I mean, you've had a really uh, a good-sized sampling of humanity. You know? Yeah. Sure, we're in the South, whatever, but I, 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 think, uh, I think it says something about people in general, you know, the ego. Uh, and... Uh, the sample of culture that you're getting. I think it's uh, well distilled, and uh, I'm curious to see where it'll go next. This is the first, I don't, I don't want to spend any time in politics at all. I don't really like doing politics on the show. Yeah. But this is interesting to me that um, doing a podcast during election year, mm -hmm. um, that it comes out. I was about to say, has it come up a lot? It comes out a lot. <laughs> and, like, typically, I won't leave that. That's, like, usually the only thing I'll edit out is, like, um, you know, uh, especially with this year, it seems like there's a lot of tribalism more than ever. Mm -hmm. It's us versus them. And, you know, uh, I think it's best to just be anonymous with your politics. I, I unless you're... Agree. Unless... You're political, you know, unless you're running for right. politics. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not going to love you or hate you because of who you voted for. Well, I ain't going to lie. That's a, I think that's a rare perspective. Uh, I happen to share it. I happen to think that uh, people are a lot more than the politics that they adopt. That's right. It's just an ideology. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole human. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but there's camps and, and you know... There's even a camp that, that says uh, taking such a position uh, is politically wrong, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, I know people like, uh, you know, it's like, well, I voted uh, for Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate. Oh, my God. You, you basically just threw your vote away. Right. <laughs> I voted for who I believed in. Yeah. That, that, isn't that the point? That's right. It was like, so, I mean, that's why, I, like, I don't like even... You know, this is the first year I've ever voted. Uh, I could have voted uh, for three or four election cycles now, but I've always felt politically homeless. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've really never been that engaged with politics. Like, I, it's like the, whoever goes in the White House, it's not really going to affect me in small-town Alabama for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that uh, sometimes people, uh, they want to categorize me. So well, what you have to understand is I come from a small town, uh, we're very self-sufficient, so we don't really rely on anybody but ourselves. We got chickens, we got a pond. I can I can catch my food, you know. I can I, I can do all that. There's a lot of self-sufficiency on my property, mm -hmm. and so I don't I don't worry about what's going on in the White House. It's none of my 
it's none of my concern, for real. Unless you're dropping bombs, I might not like that, but even then I'm just some small-town guy from Alabama. What am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. So. Well, I think that uh, there's the, the that perspective, which is shared very widely across America in, in general. There's mm -hmm. the, the rural, small-town perspective. Then there's the urban perspective. I think they're both valid. They they're are. Equally valid. Uh, and, and both bring different points of value to the table. Uh, but then uh, when, when people begin to be divisive, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and stake their claim and say this is the only way, I, that's, I, I, I began tuning out right then and there. I'm thinking of a guy in California and I'm also thinking of a guy in uh, Vermont uh, represent, representing both those categories. Mm -hmm. uh, not in the South at all. Um, the one is a guitar maker, the other is a, uh, in, in, in the law and uh, very much politically oriented. And um, both absolutely valid perspectives. And the one doesn't watch the news and the other uh, uh, helps shape the law. Yeah. You know? uh, I, I think that both of those guys are uh, giants of human beings mm -hmm. in their own ways, you know. And I like to look at things that way. Yeah. They have different perspectives. They take different positions. Great. Yeah. They're they're more than the sum of their beliefs, you know. Making guitars don't have nothing to do with political affiliation. <laughs> That's right. And uh, uh, I think the same can be said uh, in many aspects of of the law, even though it's politically steeped. Uh, uh, the the crafting the. Uh, passing on of tradition is still there and uh, anyway yeah I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of uh, yeah the, the conflict I'm not a huge fan of uh, the staking of the claims yeah I'll tell you it's like I listen to a lot of different podcasts and like uh, just take you know the, the biggest one Joe Rogan if it's if that episode goes political or if I see the guest that he has on and I know it's I don't even bother yeah it's like uh, I don't care, you know. I was like, whatever happened to DMT and gorillas? Wasn't they? You know, those are the fun ones. You know, that's the fascinating stuff to listen to. It's like some stuff I've never heard about. You yeah. know, <laughs> planetary. Yeah. Well, um, man, um, talk about getting off in the weeds for a bit, right? Well, just a little. I think it's. I think it's worthwhile, though. Um, I've. I'll be so glad when this is over and everything gets settled and like it seems like every four years in America it's like the world is coming to an end and then the the you know January 20th of the next year comes the new president starts uh -huh. and the world didn't end well look at that yeah. well, the, the world's still turning you yeah, know you go. that's right and the virus is still going yeah uh, well, you know I I don't like that yeah but Anyway, uh, uh, there, there's there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, if we don't stay off in the weeds too long, yeah. But um, you know, there's the virus. I keep track of it. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You just, sent me some of the links and all that. Yeah. Just based on Mississippi reported numbers, and there's so many different things you can pull out of that, just from simple calculations, and then plot them and all this stuff. And so uh, I've been able to to see. Um, 
what effect uh, that certain numbers have on uh, the, the public response around me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like what people are doing and saying around me, just observing. And uh, then comparing those to the numbers that really count, because those are two different things. Uh, the, the ones that, that the media will tout uh, are, if, if taken alone, don't mean much, except to excite fear and... Hysteria. Right, and, and they're effective at doing that. But there are some underlying numbers that are uh, much more reliable that, that don't tell the same... Well, they do tell the same story. They just temper the, the uh, hysteria. And uh, you don't hear those reported very often, if at all. That's right. So, uh, but the reason I think that's interesting is because uh, there's then the human response to it. And, um, you know, we, we're talking about politics. We're talking about people staking claims. Uh, we're talking about uh, the cultural aspect of it. Um, which then leads on to uh, social justice, which is uh, it's a, it, it is an incredibly important political and historical feature, and I think it's tied into this stuff, this hysteria. I think it's tied into uh, uh, not so much the staking of a political claim, but the human response, deeply held beliefs. You know, uh, this is wrong, this is right, type of a thing. And uh, I guess what I'm getting at is there's uh, this connection between uh, the, the, the hysteria response, the fear response to a worldwide, you know, deadly virus and uh, the way that people then behave. Because really this is uh, a lot like a prolonged panic attack. You know, you just mentioned you can't wait till it's over and yeah. things are cleared up and so on. And that's the way that I feel when I, when I you know, go through any stage of panic, whether it's acute or, or drawn out or something, I'm worried, you know, that kind of a thing. I can't wait for this to be over. Uh -huh. And I remember one time a friend uh, was trying to walk me through a panic attack. It was, it was bad. Oh my goodness. It was the kind of thing where you rather would have a broken finger. Like, if it would go away right now, I would take a broken pinky, you know. Pink, that'll heal. It might, That's right. It might be a little bit bent, but uh, that would be preferable. You know what I mean? Like, get this over with type of thing. So uh, my friend said, uh, finally, just ride that lightning. Just ride the energy, you know? Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world is wrong with you? I'm going to reach through this phone and strangle you if you don't say something intelligible. You know what I mean? Like, it's like what do you mean ride the, ride the tiger? You know, just one thing, I think it's, it's correlated to the virus, and it's definitely correlated in politics because people uh, get so lost in the ideology um, that uh, there are a lot of mental health issues. Yeah. And frankly, like, whatever happens with the decision of the election, I'm not a not-my-president type, so whoever wins won, mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. The world will keep turning, I hope. And of, uh, but if there is to be a lockdown, the mental health aspect of that bothers me. Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of suicide. And like, this is one thing I want to get to eventually with, uh, at least in myself. And I, I, I was not clinically diagnosed, but when I came back from Mobile, I was depressed. Mm -hmm. 
And the cure for depression for me was creativity. Mm-hmm. And that, like, uh, like, to me, imagination is a place in your brain that if you don't use it, you're going to fill it up with something that's either love, hate, or some kind of an emotion. Mm-hmm. When you could be fueling that imagination and actually putting it out into the world. And that cures depression because you are expressing yourself. And I, I think, I mean, like, even if there is a lockdown, is like the advice I would give is if, if you have to stay at home is be creative. Yeah. It, take pictures, draw, write, uh, buy a musical instrument, do something you've always wanted to try. Mm-hmm. And, I, man, that, that's, that's the key. I completely agree. And uh, the, uh, this, this aspect of uh, human response that everybody is having, you know, some people are more vocal about it than others. I, I think there may be a lot of people who maybe don't realize that that they're having a response, an emotional response, mm-hmm. a psychological response to the threat of death. Really, that's right. Pandemic. This is just a natural, inborn human instinct, and I can't agree with you more that the, the best way to deal with it is to try and use your imagination. I mean, it, it, it may sound silly to some because the word imagination then reminds you of kindergarten or something like that. But yeah. don't leave your imagination in kindergarten. There, there's uh, this, this quote that flies around from Einstein. Fairly frequently I see it pop up again. And uh, he said in, in so many words, and it's attributed to Einstein. He may or may not have said it, but it, I think it's important to note that knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the universe, you know. Imagination is important, it drives everything. Knowledge is limited. So if you let your imagination take hold, you know, if you let your creative passion take hold, you know, not many people, I think, do that. But now there's this opportunity, you know. We're we're going through this prolonged period of Mm -hmm. Uh, psychological, you know, discomfort or distress, and uh, that is indeed a great way to do it. You know, there's other things too. You know, if you're not into drawing, not into uh, exploring, uh, you know, creative things, uh, there's other ways. You know, creativity isn't isn't limited to the arts. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, human expression uh, is unbounded. There's so many ways, you know, fall in love, fall in love with a human, fall in love with an activity, fall in love with whatever. Let yourself uh, express what it is that's going through your mind, that Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. I totally agree. Well, you just mentioned, uh, now I don't want to switch gears if you ain't done. No. (laughs) No, I guess like the, the, uh, the one thing I would add to further that is like some of the people who have accepted uh, my request and have come on the show. A lot of them haven't left their house since, you know, March or April, other than to go get the food they need. Yeah. And, you know, that's an off-the-record question. It's like, so, how is that? How's that been? Yeah. You know, well, I have my boyfriend or girlfriend, and we hang out, but it's we have a very tight-knit bubble, and um, the creativity is high. We've we've been putting in work, and, and I was like, well, cool, you know, because, man, you got to guard your mental health. And, like, I feel like over... You know, maybe I just wasn't old enough, but it seems like 10, 15 years ago, 
Um, nobody was really talking about that. Um, but I believe it is, uh, man, you can be in a poor mental health, not maybe not even depressed, but like there's some kind of derangement where you're not perceiving reality right. Like, um, I don't know, it's, it would almost be like uh, if you were colorblind, everything is just black and white. Like, no, dude, the world's a beautiful place. Mm -hmm. You just got to, uh, we got to figure out a way for you to see these colors again, you know. Right. In the midst of distress. Yeah. And, uh, you know, whenever I was in the midst of that acute panic attack, uh, I couldn't get a hold of it. My friend was telling me, what, what, that was valid advice, you know, right, harness it. Yeah. That was the message, harness that energy. Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to do it because of the level of distress, but that's an acute thing, short-lived, you know. It was over within a couple of hours. But here we are with this prolonged opportunity, and I think it's safe to say that, you know, there, there's time where there's spells where, you know, calm down and, and maybe not sink down to the level of depression where you just don't feel like doing anything. But uh, uh, there's time. There's still time. There's opportunity to harness that stuff and, and turn it into something good, which I know is what we were doing out of Joe McGowan's, you know. Mm -hmm. It's the very thing. And then conversation turned to this very topic mm -hmm. harnessing you know the the energy inside of you that's right and uh, uh, give, giving it an occupation yeah that's productive and it will serve you well type of a thing yeah and I mean I, uh, I mean we're both men of faith and so uh, I mean we've we've got something in our back pocket or maybe in our mind is uh, we have scripture uh, I mean there are so many just short little verses uh, Man, uh, when I was at University of Mobile, uh, it became important to me to memorize the entire Bible. And I had memorized uh, three or four of the shorter Pauline letters uh, in entirety. I quote the whole thing, start to finish. And uh, I, was, uh, I started on my master's work in New Orleans and I was learning how to parse Greek and then I was going to start working on Hebrew because my passion was going to be Bible translation for a language that doesn't have the Bible in its language yet. Wow. Because the statistic is, is if you have uh, a translation in your heart language, um, generationally, um, there'll be believers who are well-founded in the faith rather than a second-hand language. Mm -hmm. Because it, it, your heart language, like if I was to talk to you in French, it, it, you, if we both spoke French, uh, it wouldn't mean as much as, I mean, our hearts speak English. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you know, it's like, man, whenever I get, I'm just freaking out. I, the 40, uh, Psalm 46.1, be still and know that I'm God. Oh, look, or, I think about the children's son. He's got the whole world in his hands, man. Mm -hmm. You know, just simple truths. That I, and, you, and like, I'm, I have a lot of atheists or sometimes they may be Buddhists. I've had a lot of different worldviews on the show. And I prefer to have them mm -hmm. uh, rather, than, rather than just a Christian because it helps me understand yeah. uh, that worldview. But that's, my, that's always in my back pocket. It's always in, it's always in the forefront of my mind. It's uh -huh. like, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God. You know? I'm, whatever happens, man, my eternity is secure. And, man, I've, I'm, I'm going to trust him, you know, no matter what. Yeah, I, I think it's so helpful to have, uh, to hear those simple truths. 
uh, you know, in my own words, you know, uh, in someone else's own words, uh, whatever it is that may be happening, you know, a freak out moment. There's plenty of them to choose from this year, <laughs> but but then there's the the, the quote unquote normal ones on top of all that. You know, somebody dies and. Uh, my girlfriend, she is really good about uh, reminding, and I think I am too, about reminding God's got it, you know. Mm -hmm. so whatever this is, and that's, that, that is in its essence that short, simple truth. God's got it. He's got the whole world in his hands, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I think that really helps reinforce uh, uh, the perspective that I ain't, I ain't the one directing the show, you know. Yeah, this ain't my responsibility, but it is personally mm -hmm. my responsibility to myself uh, to uh, highlight the, that belief mm -hmm. that, that this is uh, it's all right. It's craziness. It's gonna be all right. I have the perfect example. Is uh, it was my birthday weekend. We were up in Corinth. Uh, me and Monson took the Westphalia up there to work uh, the gingerbread fest. We was trying to sell. Uh, some Munson and Brother uh, products. And uh, that was the day that uh, it was announced that, uh, you know, Biden had won. The AP announced uh, him as the winner. And it was about halfway through that day, and there was this old man. Uh, man, he just had his head down, and, like, I just called him out, and I said, man, is everything okay? And he said, can you come here? I said, yeah. And he said, I don't know if you heard the news, but they just announced Biden was president. I said, does that affect you? And he said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a Christian. I just, I just, I, I, I'm having a hard time with this. And I said, you know Jesus Christ? He said, I do. I said, you trust him? I do. Do you believe he's got a plan? I do. Can I pray for you? Yeah, let's pray. And, like, the prayer was just a reminder to him. It's like, man, don't be worried about that. Mm -hmm. You can't do anything about it now. Mm -hmm. Know where your faith is and lean on that. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Picked his head up after that. Yeah. I don't know for how long. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we need a little kick in the butt sometimes. Yeah, man. Just reminders. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, sharpen one another. Yeah. Well, uh, you touched on a couple of things there. Faith is one, and uh, Mobile, I think, is another. Uh, before we get there, uh, there was a couple other things, let's see, uh, about the interviews. I, I think we probably have have uh, touched on this from a few different angles, but uh, if you have anything to add about how they've changed your perspective, you know, I mean in a permanent way, how they've influenced you, how these other people have influenced you as a collective group. Yeah, man. Um, it has helped me to better understand people. And this is when um, having the Bible memorized uh, and like those uh, years in Mobile, I would say I was a very judgmental person. Mm -hmm. And the more I do this, and like the different lifestyles I have on, the different beliefs, the different worldviews, 
helps me understand and that judgmental side continues to die mm -hmm. and then that understanding and being able to just man, I, I love you and I appreciate you for who you are no matter what you are you know yeah and uh, that's one thing that has really continued to grow just a personal level cool is uh, just a just a love on them for whatever they believe you know yeah you know it, it sometimes puzzles me how uh, how and when some people get that and some people don't it makes me think about my own uh, history and uh, sort of growing out of the uh, framework that I came up in. Uh, I mean, culturally and socially and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, letting go of some of my, you know, fixed attitudes. That's and, tough. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that having people of different faith on 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 the show mm -hmm. has. Uh, given you perspective and, and uh, allowed you to appreciate them more and t by understanding yourself more deeply. That's it. Yeah, I think that is it. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't like, if I'm, if I have a staunch atheist and you know, if you can listen, if you were to go and listen to the 199 episodes, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk of faith, like just outright. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes up just very discreetly. Um, but when we talk about Buddhism and enlightenment, well, that helps me with understanding my salvation and security. He's going for enlightenment, and I'm trusting in grace and that my faith and God's goodness is what I need. Uh -huh. That heaven is secure, just like losing self uh, for their enlightenment is what they want. And so I'm not going to say it's a, it's a mountaintop and like every religion is going to get us there, but it's whatever you want out of like whatever that belief system is. Yeah. I believe they all lead to different places, mm -hmm. and I'm not willing to tell you where. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the clincher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole point uh, to uh, shed the judgmental point of view that can take on so many forms and can come in so many subtle ways into your thoughts and uh, anyway I think that's an interesting part of of the activity you've undertaken as a passion that's caused you to grow mm -hmm. as, a, as a human being it's really cool um, well uh, we talked about the pandemic a little bit we did yeah uh, the, at the outset Effectively, I guess it had been going on for, I don't know, a month or a month and a half, something like that. And someone asked, uh, what are you learning? What is this teaching you? You know, there's a lesson. It implied, hey, there's a big lesson to be learned here. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking, like, within 30 seconds, like, uh, yeah, that's right. Because Hurricane Katrina, you know, there, there's a song about that, that that came to my mind, Willie King wrote. And... <clears throat> It's called Writing on the Sky. And he asked this question, have you seen the writing on the sky? Talking about Mother Nature, you mm -hmm. know, coming from Africa, you know. <laughs> um, there's this great injustice, and now Mother Nature is leveling everybody. And uh, in the case of Katrina. Mm -hmm. And um, so 
it got me thinking about that. So uh, then there's this great lesson that society has an opportunity to, to take a look at. But then on the individual level, you know, what am I learning from this? What am I learning about myself? What am I learning about the place where I stand? And that's my question for you. What is What have you learned so far? During this pandemic? Yeah, from the personal perspective. What is what is what has it what has it taught you so far? Man, just uh I've had a lot of uh family members and friends and their family get it. And um you know, if COVID's taken quite a few of them. Um took a good friend of mine's grandma and took another friend of mine's stepmom and um a lot of people my age I know have had it and it's it's gone and um, I think like the lesson has kind of changed over the time you know back in the early year we were hearing about COVID-19 or the coronavirus or and like it's coming here and then it got here and then like it wasn't spreading quite as fast as we thought then it seemed like someone blew and it just took off all across the states and um, then there was a little bit of I don't know if it was confusion or what it was but a lot of people wouldn't even want to accept uh, that it was real it was a it's a pandemic uh, uh, once again it, it for the first time we had something that should unite us as a people it went political yeah and that has been the lesson that everybody misses is like when you make something like this, like think H1N1 back in what, 20, what, 2014 or whatever it was. That was, I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean, it killed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Different administration. And like, I, I don't like that we made it, it should have never been a political thing. Yeah, well, it, it did. Yeah. <laughs> it politically charged. Yeah. Yeah, just and talking then, about pandemic is political. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's that's that sucks, but the biggest lesson I guess is uh uh I lost my grandpa on my mother's side earlier this year and that was the first time in probably eight years that I had been with that many family members from that side of the family. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I learned is how much I missed them. Yeah. And some of them, I, there was no beef or bad blood. Just hadn't been to that side of the family's Christmas or Thanksgiving sometime. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's just, if there's one thing I've learned about this pandemic, it's just to uh, uh, cherish your loved ones, cherish the, the folks that you love. Because uh, one day uh, they're not going to be here. Yeah. Uh, which that should be a given at all time, but like the sanctity and preciousness of life, especially. The ones I care and love about is it's uh, it means a whole lot more. I guess that would be the biggest takeaway. Mm -hmm. So, cool. That's an important one, and uh, uh, interestingly enough, it makes me think of uh, Willie King again, his funeral and uh, the, the uh, procession. They had it at the Alice uh, Aliceville. They've got this sort of a convention hall mm -hmm. in the middle of Aliceville. I don't know if you've been down there or not. I haven't. I, I go through there a lot, but yeah, they have a. It's kind of. It, it's more than a community center. It's just a big uh, gathering place, kind of like the Trotter in Columbus. Okay. And uh, that's where they had his funeral, and there was a procession, 
and it was moving. And uh, this guy was, he was preaching from the heart, leading this procession of mourners. And uh, it, it, some of his words, I can't get them out of my head. I mean, it's been a long time ago, but uh, they just rang out. We know we're not promised tomorrow, that kind of a thing. And uh, that lesson, uh, I think you're right. Uh, I think that is a dominating lesson that we're learning as a society, mm -hmm. uh, a culture uh, that even though it already had some roots, but is it the kind of thing that you think about every single day, you know? And uh, I, I think maybe the answer is becoming more. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, just, just with my uh, dad uh, specifically is like, uh, I found myself being a lot more mindful. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't, I don't know what it would be, but uh, a lot of times it's, I would say it's flat out disrespectful. Some of the, some of the, some of the like, uh, you know, every now and then he might call and like, I'm available, I just don't take it. Mm -hmm. Now I do. Yeah. Uh, and that's just one example, but. Yeah. Uh, it cleared out some of that junk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because I mean, there comes a time when that phone won't ring anymore mm -hmm. and I, I like uh, my grandfather was my hero um, the second year I lived down in Mo no our third year I was down in Mobile he passed away I would call him for everything if I had a car problem or if there was something I couldn't figure out I'd call him and I remember I was having an issue with my truck and he had been gone three weeks and I called him it went to voicemail and I heard his voice and I was like you can't call him no more you can't call him no more. Yeah. You're going to have to figure this out on your own, bud. That's a stunning moment. Yeah. Several in a row, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Repeated again and again. Yeah. Kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to, uh, I think, to take the, take the, take the, take in the view, you know. That's mm -hmm. where the lessons are. And uh, keep them with you. It's one of the good things about living through a pandemic. There are good things, you know. Oh, there, yeah, and definitely is. I think this is a, a one close to the heart. Well, um, what's your favorite part of living in it, adapting to it, if you had to think of it that way? Man, like the biggest blessing of the pandemic is porch talk because all these people that I've had on they would have been way too busy for me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> but now they're stuck at home and itching to talk. Oh, it's time to porch talk. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting thing because uh, you think about, uh, you know, years ago. And that's you, selfish, but well, you, know, you got to make the most of it, you know? Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm thinking of uh, 2000 and whatever it was, 2016, four, maybe 2014. Anyway, a tornado came through and uh, knocked out a bunch of power lines. It didn't mm -hmm. do like tons of damage right around here. It did around Louisville, I think. Uh -huh. But around here, it knocked out the power. And the power was going for like three days or something. People didn't have anything to do, you know. Where are you going to charge your cell phone? Well, a car charger. But yeah, uh, there was a lot more people on the porch, I remember back then, you know. Just one of those times yeah. where uh, you suddenly had to stop what you're doing. But here we are again. And uh, in a prolonged way, 
yeah to do things a little differently yeah I like that I do too um yeah I, that is that's one thing about it you know is uh you do see a lot more meaningful conversations happen yeah uh, you see those folks on the porch again yeah definitely well there's great value in that and I think there again is clearing away some of the junk you know <laughs> or a lot of it well uh what do you miss the most shows shows oh music i knew you were gonna say that yeah i almost wrote it in <laughs> yeah man uh yeah the sunstroke house in columbus i miss going to that oh, and yeah. uh yeah just there was the i guess that would be the biggest negative was i had planned to go to three or four different festivals for this summer it was gonna be like the biggest music summer i've ever done in my life and um all of it of course got canceled yeah but I wouldn't do this any different. I mean, it's a blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my sister and I, uh, you could say that the tradition had begun of going to shows together. Like, she don't live here, you know, she lives in D.C. So we gather somewhere. And uh, But then the last two years we have done Madison Square Garden Fish New Year's run. Mm -hmm. And we were looking to do the whole thing this year, and uh, you know, well, you know, yeah, you know where the dice fell. So no, we're not going to go to New York City or anything. But uh, I, I, I really, I don't think I can disagree. I think that's probably the thing I miss the most too. You know, you can say travel, but that's part of it, though. That's right? part of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I totally miss live music, good ones pumps your chest and uh, just gets you going to put it gently yeah there is uh oh man yeah well it'll come again but i think like one thing i wouldn't mind keep doing is like i'm not the biggest hugger or touchy-feely guy oh, this yeah. social distance thing it's yeah. really not that bad <laughs> you know yeah to make a little light of all this uh-huh yeah so uh, especially the introverts really loving some, yeah. some of this stuff yeah and I've like I, I don't know if it'd be like germophobia but I've never I don't like eating or drinking after people mm -hmm. and now I don't like to explain myself at all that's right that's a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. oh he won't he's too good he won't drink after no it's not that it's just I'm a little weird yeah so I don't I don't I don't well, even drink after my family members. <laughs> yeah, you don't need any excuse to use hand sanitizer either. Yeah, that's right. All you want. I got two bottles on my desk at work. <laughs> oh man, double feasting. Well, um, oh, all right. Um, I kind of wanted to go back from the other side. Uh, yeah, man. Sort of uh, jump over to the college time frame. I think you left off last yeah. time. Yeah. I want to. Uh, I want to frame that. So uh, coming out of high school, and even during high school, I was a heathen. Uh, what do you mean by that? Clarify. The very letter of the word. Uh, <laughs> man. What, what, uh, what did that involve? Uh, <laughs> we had a weird situation. Uh, at 11, my parents divorced, and me and my brother would stay with my mother for a time, but we would end up living with my dad's uh, parents. They would pretty much raise us from about 13 till time to leave, leave the roost. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that time, man, we had a vacant house. And uh, we, I mean, we would throw parties out of it, of course. I mean, we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, uh, I had a real bad reputation in Kennedy and Millport. And even at the high school, everybody knew uh, what I was all about. It was, 
a lot of it wasn't true. Uh, the alcohol part certainly was. The drug part wasn't. Like uh, I got painted like all kind of things uh, that which wasn't. But uh, you know, at, at that point, what's it matter? It's I got a bad reputation. I got a bad rap. Yeah, small town chatter. Yeah, and uh, it was. I had never seen this lady before in my life. I didn't know her from. I didn't know her. And I, I worked. I used to work at uh, Mike's One Stop. It was a little truck stop. It had a restaurant attached, and the Sunday crowd would be here church groups and uh, one day this sweet lady came up to the register and asked if I was Alan Aldrich and I said that depends <laughs> and she's like what does it depend on I said on what you've heard because oh, I was like I don't know if I, I I did go out on a bit of a bend last night did I do something to your mailbox I, was like, I don't know <laughs> you know anyway, that's that's a bad joke but uh anyway she was like I'm the pastor's wife and uh, uh Kennedy Baptist and uh, I just wanted to let you know that I've been praying for you mm-hmm. and that meant a lot to me because I was raised in church up to my parents divorce mm-hmm. uh, continued to read the Bible just acted foolishly uh, was being a teenager uh, if I could go back and change any of that I don't think I would I think there, there were a lot of valuable lessons there yeah. I got to learn them quick um, and started going to church and then Faith became a part of my life again, and I had just finished uh, my degree at Shelton State. I wouldn't have went there if it wasn't for my grandmother. I was packing my bags for Mobile, and I thought I snuck out, uh, and nobody knew me, and my grandma met me out in the driveway. I was like, Alan, what are you doing? I'm about to move down to Mobile. Really? Where are, where are you going to live? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you got a job down there? No. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why don't you come in the house and let's talk about this? So why don't you go to college? I hated high school and I know I don't want to go to college. Well, your two best friends are at Shelton State. Why don't you apply and see see if there's anything up there you might like? Found industrial electronics. And um, got that degree, got it in a year and a half, and worked in that field for a year mm-hmm. at Electric Motors Sales and Service in Columbus. And was became really dissatisfied and there was just something stirring I mean at this time I was really active at church and an opportunity came for an international mission I had done like a lot of local missions like we had helped out at like uh, children's homes and uh, food banks in Birmingham and um, disaster relief I remember when tornado in 2011 uh, Tuscaloosa got all the funding and all the help that tornado hit other small towns in the area too but nobody seemed to care so we went up to Hattiesburg uh, and was helping them. These people didn't have homes anymore. We were helping them go through their old house and like try to find bits and pieces of their life that wow. wasn't destroyed. Yeah. And then helping them rebuild a home. Um, and like, man, my, my heart was really into that. I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is, uh, this, this stirs my heart. This is something worth doing. This is a life worth living. This is, uh, and the pastor had given me this book. It was called Don't Waste Your Life. Mm. I think it was by John Piper. And uh, the whole mantra of that is uh, uh, he's, a, he's a big pastor. I don't so much keep up with him now. Um, uh, but I did then because I really liked that book. And he was a very deep guy. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a fairly deep thinker. So I like to read his work because it challenged me. But... Um, that was the whole mantra is don't waste your life and are you going in the right direction and then like you had to decide 
what is the right direction? Well, I knew if my heart was going toward helping people and uh, doing, you know, some type of mission, uh, that I would be completely pleased with life, that I felt like I was making a difference. And not only that, for the kingdom, for the glory of God, which was important to me because I had spent so much of my teenage years glorifying myself and indulging in sinful behavior. Um, and so there coming an opportunity to go to Guatemala. I didn't have a passport, and I didn't have a whole lot of money. And I, at this time, I was uh, given the pastor uh, guitar lessons in exchange for a Bible lesson. And um, he asked me one day after a lesson, he said, uh, you got your passport? For what? Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a... Uh, your name got put on the sheet to go to Guatemala. Well, I can't afford to go, so you need to take me off. Yeah. Some, well, somebody already paid for it. Okay, where do I get a passport? Yeah. So we went. But And this is, I don't want to spend a whole lot of, a lot of time here, but this is the lesson that I would tell anyone. If you've never gone on an international mission, I would suggest it. Uh, and it is not, especially if it's a third world country like Guatemala. I've been to El Salvador, been to Chile. I've been in Jamaica and Mexico, and I've been all over the Western Hemisphere, but um, the work that you're doing and the people that you're serving, uh, whether you, let's say you're building a home, if you gave them the material, they could probably do a better job than you. They're, they're even more self-sufficient. Going back to the very beginning of this podcast when I said I'm a fairly small-town, self-sufficient dude, uh, they are more than that, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, it's literally every day you have to find something to eat or family ain't going to have anything to eat, so we better do something. Yeah. So they're, they're good at stuff uh, when it comes to that regard. Maybe not so much technologically, but what does technology matter when you ain't got it? Yeah. So, uh, but the biggest blessing is how it blesses you. It's an eye-opener because you come from uh, arguably the greatest place to live on this earth. You had the most freedom in this country. And the lesson that I learned was all these simple things that I take for granted. Mm -hmm. God, thank you so much, because I could have been born anywhere in this world, but I was born in the U.S. of A. Mm -hmm. And, man, um, definitely not rich, but definitely not poor. Mm -hmm. And I've got so much to be thankful for, and that is the lesson that, that is learned usually. Uh, it's not, you know, I mean, this is like the big joke for people who go on missions. It's like, while you're down there, be sure to take... Uh, take a lot of pictures with those uh, poor children you know like make sure to make it about yourself it really is about yourself like like the prayer should be God what do you want to show me yeah because the work is going to be there but you need to be open to the learning the learning of it yeah uh, so that opened the door to well now I want to do missions and I think I want to do them international well you need an education University of Mobile we, uh, a buddy of mine uh, flew me and the pastor down to Mobile, went and checked the school out. In like two hours, there was a storm coming, so we had to rush and get back. I knew it was the right place. Went down there, immediately knew what I was going to study, and had a plan on how long it was going to take, and it, of course it took a little bit longer. Uh -huh. and, um, I met my, uh, my ex-wife down there. I met her the second day I moved to Mobile. And I moved down to Mobile. I, I don't think I would have done it. I was getting ready to move, and I was really backing out, and I prayed. 
uh, God, if you don't give me uh, somebody to move down there with me, I'm, there's no way I'll go. And then the next day, childhood friend texts me, said, hey, I want to go to the University of Alabama. Or, I want to go to the University of South Alabama. Uh -huh. um, I heard you were thinking about moving to Mobile. Would you like to be roommates? Right. Well, I want to answer prayer. Yeah. <laughs> so we went. And the second night, we went to uh, Friendship Baptist. That was the people who had the mission house. That's who that mission to Guatemala was put on by, was Friendship. Okay. And so that would be where uh, we would go to church, move down there on like a Tuesday and went to, to that church on Wednesday. Because mm -hmm. we were, man, we were small town kids and moved to Mobile. It's the second biggest city in Alabama. Maybe the biggest, I'd have to look. But it's it or Birmingham. But uh, man, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. And so we went to that church to try to meet some people, and like uh, I met I met my soon-to-be wife that night, and I told JC when we got back out to the car, um, I'm gonna marry her. And he said, "Whoa, big mood, dude! Never heard you talk like that before." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, I don't know, something about it." Uh -huh. And you know, three years later, I would. And um, that that was going swimmingly. It was going well. Something happened. Um, I don't really know. Uh, I think hearts changed. Uh, she would go on to leave, and that changed everything because at that time I was working on my master's. I graduated University of Mobile, and like you know, I was I told you earlier that I was uh, studying uh, biblical languages and that I wanted to do translating. That I already had a um, missionary group that I was wanting to work with and right. had already been. Uh, knocking those check marks out to right when I graduate this, I can move on to uh, start helping out with them and getting us out of America. You know, we was wanting to be in Africa somewhere. Oh wow! And um, yeah, and so one day she didn't she didn't want to do uh, missions anymore, which was fine. And uh, then slowly it was like one thing after the other, and it was just one day uh, I don't want to be with you no more. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a big change because I had just spent five, six years of my life working up to something. And then, not of something of my own doing, but now I can't do that because they didn't want to take some divorce, dude. You know, if you, you need to either A, you need to remarry, or um, B, you just need to do it some other way. You, you can't work with us. Mm. It's like, well, that's a very weird thing. And that kind of hardened my heart toward... Uh, um, religious organizations and even yeah. some churches as far as being accepting. And so when I moved back here, man, I was working two jobs down in Mobile and uh, I was a manager by day at uh, Heritage Auto. Uh, that's Caleb Lindquist. It used to be like the number one uh, used auto parts store on eBay. Uh, that's how much business we were doing, man. We were sending out over 100 car parts a day. Wow. And uh, had a FedEx and UPS truck come every day to pick stuff up, sending it all over the country. And um, I was having a real hard time with the divorce. And, you know, I just, the way the, the apartment was set up is like the bed, and then you could look right out the window, out toward the driveway. And I was like, spent a lot of nights sitting right there just looking out the window, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe, just maybe. No. But, um, uh, so I was having supper with my landlord one night. And uh, he was like, uh, he's, he's a big supervisor at UPS plant there in Mobile. And he asked me, he says, uh, you know anybody that wants to take a supervisor job at night? And it's a piece of cake. This guy. You for real? Yes. Dude, I need something or I'm going to drive myself insane. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not sleeping as it is. Might as well do something. And so, and that was before I knew about going back earlier. It was creativity, cures, yeah. heals. Mm -hmm. Yes, being a workaholic, not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Like we said in your episode before, I didn't need to pour beer on that. Mm -hmm. Don't need to pour work on it either. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, it was going from uh, one job, come home, eat, taking that, wake up, go to the other job, come home, uh, try to wind down go to sleep for a couple hours and I've done that for like three or four months and then uh, my daytime job boss found out about me working at UPS mm -hmm. and he said uh, you're gonna work here or there and I was like yeah, I kind of need both because at that point I was knocking out student loans and like I was well I was paying stuff off because I was making money hand over fist I had two manager jobs yeah I was making real good money and um well, he gave me the ultimatum so I called my old friends at Electric Motors and I was like hey I think I'm moving back home. You got a place for me? Come on. Yeah. And so uh, at that time, I was talking with uh, my mom and my father at home. Uh, neither one of them was doing good. And I was like, well, I'll just crash for y'all and help y'all while I'm getting back on my feet myself. And then lo and behold, here comes Sports Talk. Yeah. And that was the ultimate, uh, the healing uh, of it was, uh, like I said, I was, I was in a rut. And like while I was down in Mobile, there was a bit of healing that went on because it was almost immediately after the divorce. Um, my best friend down there at Levi, Seymour, uh, we had a church band. We had the foundation band. Like since I was down there, like uh, I think it was like the second week I had moved down there, he asked me if I'd play guitar, and I was like, "Yeah, love to." Mm -hmm. And we done that for the entirety of me being down there. And um, then he asked if. He would if I would like to start a two-piece band, just him and I, two guitars, and like do like a Taken Back Sunday, like um, I'll play lead, and he'll capo up, and we'll, like we'll do very interesting things on the guitar, both playing acoustic, and it would be a call and answer with the singing, and um, the songs that he was writing was uh, looking into my life at that time, and like during all that. Matter of fact, the I think either the song that opens or closes this is called The Best Side. Uh, that's a song he wrote about uh, uh, me while I was going through divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very special song to me and I uh, love to play it. Ooh. Especially now as the meaning transforms, you know. Yeah. It, means, it means something different now to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, he, had been, he got married a little bit after I did and they had a child on the way and he said when the child gets here, it's over. Understandable. Child was here, General Specific was over, and so time for me to go. Mm -hmm. And so I came home and more creativity, you yeah. know. And I don't know, I kind of told that kind of quick. I don't know if there's anything well, anything else to add, but. I, I thought uh, it was interesting that you were on the way out the door to Mobile without a plan, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, then you were redirected. Yeah. In, a, in such a way that would cause you to have your eyes open. Yeah. Really. In, in more than one iteration. And uh, uh, you, you have uh, been through a period of darkness. And what turns out is like that period of darkness has been the greatest blessing? Mm -hmm. At the time, no. Like it was exact darkness. It was like just walking around in a room with no light, just trying to, trying to find the door. And uh, a buddy of mine, he put it better. He's going through a divorce too. He said it's kind of like 
letting the dust settle. And, uh, you know, I've, I think it's been three or four years now. It's, it's been about four uh, since the divorce. And like I can finally say that I've worked all the way through the, the grieving period. And like denial was the, and then anger. Those two took forever. And then the other three steps that come after was a lot quicker. Yeah. Just getting over those two hurdles. And it wasn't even mad at her. It was, I was mad at myself. I had to forgive myself. Mm. Don't have any, like, I still love her to death. Like, if she, uh, we don't talk anymore, but, I mean, we're, we don't hate each other. Yeah. It's, it's well understood now, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no bad beef. If she needed something, I'd help her. Yeah. But I, I'd rather her not. Yeah, isn't that one uh, he, there isn't any, any general way to put it. It's a big one. Yeah. And uh, there's, uh, for a lot of people, there's a lot of room for a bottomless pit right there. Yeah. And I've heard it put, uh, for, for many things where, you know, nothing fills the void type of a situation. You know, there's there's thinking about the, well, there's this void. I didn't really know that was there, but now it's there and you can't see the bottom of it. I yeah. think. But the, 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 this person, they put it, says there's only one thing that will fill a God-sized hole. Yeah. And that's, that's the way they put it. And uh, that stuck with me. And, uh, you know, uh, that's, not something that everybody uh, takes the same way or at all you know Uh, but it sounds to me like you had a a period of going through all this stuff and uh, that makes you personable yes you you draw on these experiences and they inform your everyday how do they inform your everyday? That, that was the most beautiful thing. Like since I've been divorced, is um, yeah more personable because uh, the phone calls and questions that I get are from the people who have walked the same walk or have already been through it or are about to go through it and just looking for advice. And um, you know the number one thing I tell them is if you have faith, buckle down. You're going to need it, and you're going to need every bit of it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and some nights it won't be enough. I mean, there were nights, I remember after it first happened, man, is uh, I had never prayed so selfishly in my life. I was, remember just praying over and over, Jesus, if you, if you would just uh, uh, come sit down with me in this room. I, I, I'm so alone. I just need to feel some touch. If you could just come sit down with me just for a bit. Now, there was one night where I'm not saying that he did, but, like, if I close my eyes and, you know, there was a presence, and I'm not saying, like, what that was, but there was comfort, there was peace. Yeah. And those are qualities of him. Mm-hmm. So I would assert that surely, mm-hmm. surely it was. Yeah, that, there's there's the darkest hour. Yeah, man. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, more personable and, like, uh, as far as, like, the snooty, like, judgy people that I used to be, I'm not that way anymore because, hell, I mean, how can I, I mean, I've had a lot of things go not my way in life and like I haven't, 
you know, been the best example or, you know, I told you that I had a bad rap at one time. Well, you know, I've been through some bad stuff now and I came out the other side and now I have a, I have a story and I can, I can help. Yeah. And I'm, I ain't going to judge you because you've done something because I've, I've made mistakes too. Yeah. You know? that, that's a valuable thing to have on a daily basis. Yeah. And hard earned. And, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say that there, there's plenty of people that, that just, they don't have that yet. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't wish it on them, but, uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't like for any relationship to end for, uh, anybody, but, um, whatever that, you know, things have to happen, whether it's a loved one passing away or like whatever that is, it's like, uh, you're going to have to have something like that to happen to reshape you and grow you and teach you a new lesson in the I mean, it's that iron sharpened iron. It's yeah. that it's it's life. Mm -hmm. It ain't pretty. Mm -hmm. And if it, if it is pretty, somebody's lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's you themselves or yeah. Like what? Yeah. Well, uh, you already answered uh, one of the other questions that I have, which was, how did you recover from from that? Yeah, and, man. It, uh, it would be poor talk in relationships. Mm -hmm. And um, man, just each episode and like. Even with uh, my relationships now outside of the show, is uh, everything's more cherished. Everything means a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, here's a, you go wherever you want with this, but uh, from your divorce, mm -hmm. but really the marriage. You might say they're one and the same. What sticks with you the most from that? There are certain things that I still don't like to do. Mm. Um, like going to church used to be real difficult after the divorce because I didn't have anybody to put my arm around. Mm. And I didn't have anybody pass me little silly notes uh, during the sermons and that stuff used to crack me up. Um, just uh, the idea of building and sharing a life, uh, that was, man, she was, uh, she never was officially adopted, but uh, she didn't come from the greatest situation growing up. Uh, she had been, um, not to give too much detail, but she had been abused as a child, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't fair. Wasn't fair to, wasn't fair to her. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that stuff that she was still dealing with. And um, I got to see her grow as a person she could sing and she was so talented she could play keyboard really good she could play guitar and um she just by her friends and family it's like dude like she used to not do this stuff but like with you you've kind of helped her uh get on stage and like use her gifts and you kind of pushed her in the right direction um and i used to uh we used to, I used to take her uh, on Saturdays. We'd go. I like playing golf. I didn't think I'd ever play golf again because I'd played so much golf with her. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, just like I didn't think I'd go to a movie again. Uh, but uh, those are some of the things that I miss the most. It's just all those old dates and hanging out, and uh, like going out on another date. Is like if I look over at the other person, am I gonna see her? Mm -hmm. I don't. But you know, sometimes I wonder. If I will, you know. Sticks with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, 
think I know when one door closes, another one opens. That's right. And uh, I also know that these experiences that shape us, that make us who we are on a daily basis, uh, that stuff is, is then used further. Mm -hmm. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me. So uh, uh, I hear what you're saying, and, and uh, I look on it with, uh, with a grin of what comes next. Yeah. <laughs> Man, me too. Like, just with, uh, that's, that's really been uh, the mantra of the, the past two years, man. It's, the past two years, even with the pandemic, it's, it's been, life's been good to me, uh, really. And uh, a lot of it is because of Porch Talk, because uh, it also forces me to engage with people that I don't know. Or maybe it's someone I find interesting and I want to know. Like my job at Starkville Utilities. You know how I got that? No. Bo Jeffries knows HR. Oh. <laughs> and one night over at Bo Jeffries, we had a little get together. And he's like, this is my friend, Nav. Um, Alan, I heard you want a better job. Nav's got a job. All right. Applied for said job, interviewed for said job, got said job. All right. <laughs> Wouldn't it happened? Like a lot of things that's happened, like Munson Brothers, like I helped them out. Um, that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have been interested and had him on the podcast. And now Munson and all the people that work there, those are some of my closest friends. Yeah. And it's just a party when we get together, you I know. know. It's just, you know. Uh, Joe McGowan, like going out there to his studio and hanging out. Beautiful property. Mm -hmm. uh, man, I love the friendship. I love how it's growing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad I have some of his art hanging on my wall. Mm -hmm. um, that would have never happened. All the things in Berman, this right here, yeah. you know. Uh, man, I'm, I'm just thankful, you know. Yeah. Gratitude, I've heard it uh, described as the parent of all of other emotions. And that's a really cool one and a really cool way to look at it. You're following passion and it's been fruitful, mm -hmm. very fruitful. So then uh, that leads me to, I just have one more question. Cool. And uh, uh, that's about the future. Now, here we are. This is your 200th episode. We've had to look back over the last 100 episodes and also uh, this, this segment of, of history, of your history, and uh, that's informed and shaped who you are today and, and informs the things that you do and the things that you go after and uh, the contributions that you make to the culture around you. And so, if you were to write one version of how the story might go from here on, let's say the next hundred episodes, yeah, you know, what does that look like? What, what where do you want to go with it? Is this your, you know, knowing about what you said earlier that that what's happened so far, you couldn't have dreamt up. It's been really cool. Yeah. And knowing that whatever it is you dream up is probably going to be even cooler than that. But yeah. You take a shot at it here. What's what's next? The, uh, the, I mean, the next town that I have in sight, like, I, I still have a lot of work to do in Birmingham, but Athens, Georgia is on my mind. Mm -hmm. I, I want to start working there. And there are so many people, um, it's not that I, I've, I've looked over them, but there are people in my hometown that I haven't asked on yet, but I've had plans, and I've got plans for that. Um, in Columbus, I'm finding out more and more people like the artist that you uh, sent me the other day. It's like, yeah, that's going to be a thing. Yeah. 
and th- that's the thing now is like all like so many people have really gotten behind me in the show and they'll reach out and they'll send me like uh, here's some art by this artist or here's some new music I think they would be a great guest or here's someone just fascinating you know uh, that's the next thing is like porch talk is beginning to take care of itself yeah and so I don't as far as planning, I'm, I'm not saying it's like a loose cannon, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely cool with just letting it do what it's gonna do. Yeah, you, know? you, you got it. Uh, it's configured. a well, it's a well machine now. Yeah, I like that, and, and the idea of fascinating people because they're all around. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Well, I look forward to you. I've been listening in, uh, filling in because uh, this for me is relatively new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've gone into the backlog a little bit. And oh, yeah. I've got another idea uh, just from talking with you tonight about one I want to hear. And uh, I'll do that. But uh, I look forward to uh, more fascinating people who are all around and uh, more artists and uh, uh, see what uh, see what becomes next and what grows out of this thing. Yeah, man. It's uh, I like Def Cab for Cutie. They're one of my ba- favorite bands. All right. Uh, the song Gold Rush is uh, off their album Thank You For Today and uh, you know just changing the lyrics up just a touch but like is uh, digging for gold in your neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, through these old bricks and walls uh, looking for something I'll never find looking for something I'll never find mm-hmm. it's like because the idea is like we there's 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 something else here we just gotta keep digging yeah you know yeah keep digging like get through all this old architecture and let's <laughs> Let's get down. Let's let's find, um, you know, um, porch talk to a thousand and then the two thousand. You know, let's there keep moving. Go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, you ready to walk it out? Yes, sir. Well, JC, thank you so much, man. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. between the dark and light of the moon It's the same distance between the right and wrong side of truth Haven't been a big fan of me what not to do Gives another sense of the scene Another whole lens to see through And I think maybe It isn't that bad To disappoint you Think maybe you might be half glad to know what I think too. And you call me by name, say it's my fault. Would you give me a break if I take one at all? Say maybe it's it. That I'm making it last Same reason I saw 
I've seen it all, seen the best side of you. Best side of you. Did you see the worst or the rest? Is it some right angle proof? Then it only hurts to confess What's left and seen by you And I haven't been a big fan of me Knowing what not to do And I think maybe It isn't that bad Disappoint you And I'd say maybe You might be half glad To know what I think too And you call me by name Say it's my fault Would you give me a break if I take one at all You say maybe it's sad That I'm making it last Same reason I saw If I've seen it at all And you call me by name You say it's my fault Would you give me a break If I take one at all Say maybe it's sad That I'm making it last Same reason I saw If I've seen it at all I'm seeing the best side of you Best side of you side of you beside you and do you know the difference between the dark and light or the moon all right, that was episode 200. Thank you so much for listening. If you would, rate and review the show. As a little kiss, big hug, big kiss, little hug. Here is the after party. Here is No One's Gonna Love You by Band of Horses, covered by Justin Peter Kinkleschuster. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Peace out.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.